this team ministry that we are launching, it's been a dream for about five years. We came through the building program, so many other things going on, COVID hit, and now we're doing it. And it's such an exciting time in the, the life and ministry of the church. And the purpose of our team ministry, come up ahead, guys. The, the purpose of our team ministry is God has brought so many leaders to Grace Baptist Church. And these men have so much more ability in administration and, and follow-up and things than, than I could ever dream of having. And God brought these people to our church. We, the, kind of the first step that we took in this was when we turned the budget over to Ed Vermont. He's in the nursery today. And uh, he's a guy that actually can count. So how many of you think somebody should, that can count is better for the budget than your pastor? Okay. And so we, that's how we began handing things off. And now we're really handing off everything to the men that God has brought to the church. And for our adult ministry... God has brought Jeff Bradshaw. Jeff Bradshaw runs a company, he runs a business, several businesses, and he loves the Lord, has a good family, and he's in charge of our adult ministry and outreach. So he's going to come and introduce that for us. Thank you, Jeff. Good morning. So I guess Ed is in the nursery. Wow, maybe somebody ought to go check him out. I don't know. It's, but uh, so this is a kickoff for our adult teens ministries. And this group of people that you have up here, that you see up here this morning, this, this, these are, these are our team leaders for the adult ministries. Now, we've got several ministries I want to talk to you about this morning, but the first of which is, is our Sunday school and even our adult Bible study classes that we have. Now, uh, for those of you who may be new, listen, we have got fantastic Sunday school uh, classes for each and every one of you. Uh, so, uh, you know, whether you are in beginner church all the way up uh, through uh, the Cornerstone class, uh, we, we've got something for everybody. So uh, I just kind of want to quickly introduce some of the team leaders that we've got for the different classes. Uh, just so, again, if you're new, you can recognize who it is that uh, would be leading your class. So we've got Tom May. Tom is, uh, he leads our, our Cornerstone class. And uh, Tom, how long have you been here? Oh, about 68 years. About 68 years. So we're, we're thinking about letting him in as a member. And uh, <laughs> we, we have uh, Matt Holtzclaw. Matt uh, is teaching our Young Mary class, Matt and Amanda. So we have Matt here. And we have Wait. Sorry? And he is extremely happy about it. He... He really wanted to be the one up here talking, but I, no, Matt, I want to do this. And, and then we have Wade and Nathaniel. Uh, they teach our, our epic class, which is our young adults. And uh, so as you can see, we've got something for everybody here. So listen, if you... Oh, yeah. And then we got this guy. Oh, the best class, right? That's right. So we have an adult class as well. So he should be standing up here. I don't, I don't know why you're not... Look, this is a team ministry. You're either part of the team or you're not. So, <laughs> Pastor is our... <laughs> He's voted the class clown, too. So, uh, but Pastor teaches our adult class, and uh, I tell you what, it, it's, it's a great thing. Um, we, we, we get into a lot of different things. He's misbehaving. 
Yeah, it's all him. Yeah. Uh, but we get into a lot of great topics. Our question and answer time has been great. Um, just been a lot, uh, lot to learn there. And then Pastor also does our adult Bible class on Wednesday nights, our Bible study. And if you've not been in there, I tell you what, that was probably for Sabrina and I, that was one of the biggest helps to us when we first came to Grace Baptist Church. Uh, just the way that that whole uh, that, that Bible study time is prepared, answering questions, and then really it's a time where we can kind of dig a little bit deeper into the Word of God. So <clears throat> these are our uh, Sunday school teachers and Bible study leaders. Just wanted you to be able to identify them. Again, if you're new uh, or new to Grace Baptist Church, please feel free. Plug into these ministries because I guarantee you they will help you. The next thing that I want to talk to you about is our discipleship program. Now, our discipleship program, uh, you know, I got to tell you, really, at Grace Baptist Church, the Word of God is, it's not only uh, our sole authority, but it's the foundation for everything that we do here. But next to that, if 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 we're talking about building something eternal, our discipleship ministry is one of the key structural components uh, to, to doing just that. Now, it's, it's really, it is somewhat of an in-reach ministry, but it is also an outreach ministry. We've had people get assurance of their salvation. We've had people come to know the Lord. Uh, just a great thing. We've had people who uh, have uh, gone through that and, and, and saw the need to be following believers' baptism, join the church, those sorts of things. So the, the discipleship program is just, it's paramount to what we do here. And, you know, I, I know it's a, a little bit unusual, but something I'd like to do, if you have completed discipleship or if you're co- currently going through di- discipleship, I want you to stand up. If you would stand up. Come on, stand up. If you've completed it or you're currently going through discipleship. Now, everybody, look around. Look around. If you thought this ministry was something just for a select few people, Take a look around. This is an all-inclusive program, okay? Thank you. You can be seated. I appreciate that. So, again, in case you thought this was an exclusive group or whatnot, it is not. Discipleship is for everyone. And here's the great thing. There's a sign-up card in the seat in front of you, the back of that seat. There's a small card there. That is your sign-up sheet. We won't have to go back there. What we would encourage you to do, if you've not yet signed up for discipleship, grab that card, fill it out today, and when the we'll have a time where we collect those at the end of the service, remember? And uh, <laughs> uh, so we will have a time to collect those, but even if you take it home, you look, up, you look it over, you think about it, bring it back in. Uh, feel free, find me, find Pastor, Miss Laura, any of us, you can turn that in. And uh, we would love to see more people sign up for discipleship. It really is a great program. And, and again, it, it's for everyone. If you're a senior in high school, you're a senior saint, or anywhere in between, we've, we would love to have you sign up for discipleship. And we'll pair you. This is a one-on-one program where we'll pair you with a trained discipler and uh, we'll, uh, who can kind of walk you through this program, this curriculum. And uh, it's designed to kind of help us have the mind of Christ as we're going through uh, just the issues of life, the everyday issues, and uh, help us kind of deal with those things. We actually have a short video, guys. I don't know if you've got that ready or queued up, but we've got a short video testimonial from a couple uh, that, uh, it, I tell you what, I had the best time coming here Thursday night. You know, you're coming straight out of work, came here, spent some time with this couple. And uh, so just, I, we'll just go ahead and show that video if you guys are ready.
I think discipleship is important because, you know, it grounds you in the Word of God and it, it gives you the couple that can get together and uh, go through God's Word. Um, when you disciple someone, um, not only you're sharing God's heart out of His Word, but you make really good lifelong friends. <laughs> well, we have made some really good friends um, discipling them. Um, I look forward every week to get together with them. I always learn something new every week, and um, making a good friend is very important. Knowing knowing that you're building something eternal. We get together, you know, and uh, we, we don't only share uh, what's going on in, in the study, but we talk about everyday life, what goes on in your disciples' life affects them, affects you. Discipleship has helped me by uh, being uh, a place where I can turn to go to God's Word and uh, find the answers for um, certain questions that may come up through the week. You know, uh, discipleship has helped by having uh, a curriculum that we can go through. Uh, we all learn the same thing. We then can speak the same thing. Um, discipleship has really helped me because as I talk to friends that don't necessarily come to church or even strangers, sometimes they do have questions. We memorize verses, and even if the verse won't completely come to me at the time, I know that I can reference my discipleship lesson book, and I know where to find the answer, and it helps me to share the answers that people are looking for. I recommend discipleship because... Not only are you in God's Word, you do make some lifelong friends. You are able to get into a relationship that is godly and that will, again, will last for eternity. I really recommend discipleship for everybody um, because like in 2 Timothy 2.2, God asked us to take what we know and share it with others. Awesome. Jeff and Sue, I appreciate that. And I want to point out that they are not Jet Blackford. It is Jeff and Sue Blackford. They, they actually did that little clip. We, we had to cut it. Justin put all this together. We you tried to condense the time a little bit, but uh, they were great fun to work with, I tell you. Um, but listen, I, I know that, you know, this discipleship thing, you, you've heard this over and over again. Pastor comes up here and he mentions the discipleship program. But here's the thing. Uh, and I, I told Pastor this. You know, my fear is is that a lot of times when you hear Pastor up here talking about the discipleship program, it, you're, you're seeing him as kind of a paid endorser. You know, he's kind of like the paid employee. But the reason that it was important to have folks like Jeff and Sue uh, come up and, and do the video and give that testimonial, uh, because we're satisfied customers. All of the, myself, the men up here who have, have gone through discipleship, all the people who have stood up, to identify that they've gone through our discipleship program, they are satisfied customers. So there's there's something important to be said about that. We always look for consumer reports and things of that, that nature on our physical goods and things, but I'm telling you, when it comes to the spiritual, there's a lot of satisfied customers here with this program, and we want you to take that seriously. We want you to sign up for that. Um, but 
so you know, again, you, the sign-up is easy. You've got that card. It's right in the back of the seat in front of you. Fill that out. Be sure that you turn it in. In fact, maybe when we uh, do the sign-up uh, later, we'll be uh, give you a good time to, to fill that out and turn that in. Uh, but uh, So the next thing that I want to talk about, so that's our discipleship program, very key to the, the, the you know ministry here at the church, but activities, just our adult activities. Now, I know the the, uh, I was talking to uh, Dan and Dodie last week, and you know, Cornerstone class, I, they do a great job at this. There's a lot of fellowship that goes on there. As a church, uh, you know, we do want to roll out more planned activities so long as they don't kind of interfere with uh, things that are already on the church calendar and, and that nature. Andy's, I know, already doing the game nights, and we'll have one of those coming up. Uh, but uh, if you've got ideas or if you want to help plan an activity or host an activity, Come see me. Let's talk about that and see how we can kind of implement that. Uh, but that is something that we want to do. The next thing I want to talk to you about as far as important adult ministries is man camp. Now, man camp, I know it seems like it would fall under activities, but this is something that's really kind of taken on a life of its own. You know, we just finished uh, man camp uh, for this year, for 2021. Had a great year. Had a great time. Uh, Brother Dave came and challenged everybody that was there. Uh, talking about issues like anger and things of that nature, and, and it was really good. The activities were great, and uh, but you know the fact of the matter is this was my first year, uh, kind of helping behind the scenes and working behind the scenes. And I got to tell you, there is a ton of work that goes into this that probably some of you have no idea. You show up, you have a great time, and we, and that's exactly what we want. But we need help. Doug Schmidtmeyer. That guy works like crazy. He works a full-time job that him and Deb have got their own business. And then that week of man camp, he's probably got to put in another close to 40 hours just getting things prepped. I mean, it's ridiculous the amount of work that Doug puts into the food prep and things. So I know that Doug is going to need help getting things cut up and prepped and all of that. Uh, we've got activities and uh, just cutting wood, all of these things. There's so much work that goes into it. And we've got... Travis Calloway and Matt Hick, or Holtzclaw uh, are going to, uh, they're going to head up our man camp this year. They're going to be coordinating everything. And uh, Travis, it's his property. They're gracious enough to allow us to come out there and, uh, you know, kind of tear everything up and all of that. But not, not really. But, uh, you know, we, we're so glad to have these guys uh, kind of coordinate this. And, again, there is just so much work that goes into this. If you can help, and again, we, as we get closer, we can be talking about it, but we really need people to sign up. Again, whether it's cutting wood, helping prep the food, uh, getting the events set up, all of those things, if you could sign up, then we kind of know who we can lean on as th that gets a little bit closer. But we definitely want, uh, uh, you know, to, want you to understand how much work goes into this. We appreciate not only Doug, but Ed and Ty and Justin, all of the work they do. They, they work while everybody else is enjoying all the activities. They're working on the food. And i got to tell you, Doug puts together the manliest menu on the planet for this. And, and it's just, it's good. It, if you don't like it, uh, we're going we're gonna to revoke your man card. That's all I'm just saying. There's no, no, no other way to put it. So it is so good uh, to, that we can do this. I invited somebody this year. And they were amazed. They were like, your, your church does stuff like this? This is a great outreach opportunity. It's not just for us. It's, a, it's an opportunity to invite other men uh, in to see what we're about, to see that we're just normal folks. 
We love the Lord, but we enjoy doing every everyday manly activities. So absolutely nothing wrong with that. And then the last thing that I want to make you aware of is we are uh, also launching uh, our evangelism uh, ministry. And uh, God has brought to us Eric Edwards, and he, he has given Eric a burden for evangelism. So it should come as no surprise that we're putting Eric in charge of outreach and evangelism. Uh, so I really, uh, I, I'm going to kind of turn it over to him and let him kind of introduce and give you an overview of what's involved in this ministry. And again, we will have sign-up sheets for this ministry as well, and we, we, we desperately need people to get plugged in, and this would be a great place where you can get plugged in. It, it's, it also is another critical structural ministry to our church, and really, it's about the future of Grace Baptist Church. We want to see the church grow. If you want to see the church grow, this is how you can do it. You can join this ministry. So, Eric, if you would, come and share what uh, the Lord's laid on your heart about this. Not leaving a lot of time for pastor to preach. I'm not sure what he's going to do when we're all done up here. Um, uh, just to echo something Jeff said, I was thinking while he was talking, the um, Sunday school classes. If you're not in a Sunday school class or if you're new, Get plugged into a Sunday school class. I cannot recommend that enough. Um, you're going to learn. You're going to make uh, just that's where just great friendships are made and great fellowship. I mean, I would not miss out Sunday school any morning. I mean, I might even go to Sunday school and maybe skip out on church, you know, afterwards. But um, I'm not going to miss Sunday school class. Um, I uh, have had the privilege of uh, now. I know what I'm preaching on. Uh, Holly, my wife, and I uh, were. We've, uh, along with Matt and Amanda Holtzclaw, have been doing the Young Married Couples class. I mean, if you're a young married couple and you're not in there, get in there. It's an awesome time. And uh, Pastor, you know, likes to call his uh, class the best class. I told Matt we're the best-looking class. Not because of me, but. Um, so I'm going to speak a little bit on um, evangelism and on a new Sunday school class that we're going to launch. And uh, I over-prepped, I over-prepared today, which I'm glad because I had to follow Jeff. So uh, Paul speaks to the Thessalonians, it's a, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, about how he and those close to him pursued the Thessalonians with the gospel. And, and whether it was by gentleness, affection, through labor, travail, um, also they themselves behaving among them holy, justly, unblameable exhorting them, comforting them, and they were doing all this with the intention and hope that they could preach the gospel to them and that it would be received. And you can see from Paul's remarks, if you go to that chapter, 2 Thessalonians 2, you can read it after church, that it was well received by the people he was speaking to. Uh, verse 13, he says, For this cause also, and this is after all those things that I just talked about that, that they were doing, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when he received the word of God, which he heard of us, he received it not, as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. In verses 19 through 20, Paul says of those that believe, he says, For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? And he says this of them, For ye are our glory and joy. <clears throat> He's speaking of that crown. It's, it's, it's them. Uh, he says to believers... This is in Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 1. He's speaking to believers. He says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for my joy 
and crown. So Paul's referring to a crown, this crown of rejoicing, after winning the Thessalonians to saving faith in Jesus Christ. He says they themselves are that crown. He calls the believers in Philippi crowns. So these are crowns earned by winning souls to Christ, by investing your time, investing your life in someone else with a specific intention to lead that person to Christ. <clears throat> and then according to, what, uh, according to what Paul says, those souls won are crowns. And of course they belong to him, the Lord. So this new class, it's going to be called Core, because that sounds cool. But it's Crown of Rejoicing Evangelism. I, I've got some points here. I prepared this. I'm going to go a little bit off script, which is probably dangerous for me. <clears throat> you don't have to be an evangelistic giant to join this class. You don't have to have chapters of the Bible memorized to join the class. What did Paul say to the Corinthians? First Corinthians 2, 1 through 2, he said, When I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech, or of wisdom, declaring, to you the, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. You need to know the gospel. You need to know the gospel. You need to have a passion to give the gospel, to share the gospel with those that don't have it. That's what you need to bring to the class. Um, so the class itself, uh, I, Pastor and I had a conversation, the class itself is not the strategy. I'm wanting, we're wanting to bring people into this class that have a passion, um, and it may mean, may mean being uncomfortable, putting yourselves in uncomfortable situations. Um, the class itself isn't the strategy. It's bringing the people together that are passionate about this to formulate that strategy. That's what it is. I don't have some master plan, and it's come follow me, do as I say, do as I do. It's I need your help. I need those people that are super passionate about this. There will be accountability in the class, and there's still conversations going on about how, what that might mean. But um, it may, it's going to mean people holding me accountable to giving the gospel to somebody, me holding you accountable, holding each other accountable. So there's going to be accountability in this class. That may, it makes me uncomfortable. It may make you uncomfortable. Um, if you do decide to, go, to come into this class and it's too intense or intimidating or maybe you get in there and it's, I, I'm not ready for this. If you leave the class, there's not going to be any hard feelings, okay? Um, I think I should mention this. If For married couples, make sure you're in enthusiastic agreement about coming into the class. Uh, I uh, don't want someone's wife or husband to be angry at me or whatever. Or the, Just make sure you're in agreement when you come into that class, okay? And know what you're getting in, into. Uh, lastly, Pastor wanted me to mention where we're meeting uh, so there's a small classroom. It's at the top of the stairs on this side. Um, Matt and I deemed it, we, we call it the prayer closet. So it's kind of a small class. That's where we're going to be meeting. If we outgrow that, um, we've kind of, we've got some ideas as far as where we would go from there. Um, but I think we can all agree that, um, we can all be doing more to advance the gospel individually as a church. And that's what the heartbeat behind this class is going to be. So, if you, um, you know, pray on it, think on it, talk to your spouse about it, or talk to yourself about it. If that seems like it's going to be a good fit for you, maybe you ought to be in that class. And uh, I think we'll, there'll, there'll be sign-ups, uh, sign-up sheet to do that. So thanks for your time.
Amen. Let's give these guys a big hand. Thank you, men. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one under the chair in front of you, right below that discipleship card that you're going to take and fill out. If you need a Bible, there's one under there. And let's all stand. Give you a break here. Don't worry. Like Elizabeth Taylor said to her sixth husband, I won't keep you long. This this team ministry concept, all that we're doing is we're engaging the whole church in the mission of the church. Amen? And let's look at what that is. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and look at verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. It constrains us. It it, it binds us. It, It causes us to do something. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. So if Jesus died for everybody, that means everybody needed to be saved because everyone is lost in sin. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Aren't any of you thankful that the past is done? Man, praise God. What a wonderful Savior. And now look at what it says in verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us, look at this, the ministry of reconciliation. And that's what I'm speaking on today, the ministry of reconciliation. Lord, please help us as we study your word today. Lord, there's much to do. Time is short, but you've given us something that, uh, that you expect from us. So, Father, help us to find that in your word today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I want you to see a couple of things in this ministry of reconciliation. And the first thing that I want you to see is my life. What does God say about my life? Verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And he died for all and that he died for all. Now look at what it says. That they which live, now, how many of you, that includes you? You're alive, okay? Look look at what it says. That he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth, that is from the time that you're made alive, live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So the first thing about my life, my life, it was given to me by God. Would you all agree with that? And it was given to me twice. You can't be born without the power of God. Every birth is a new creation. Every birth is a new life. It happens at conception. That's why we don't believe in killing those children. Right? That life is a gift from God, precious to God. God gave me my life. But not only did he give me my human life, he gave me my first birth. He also gave me my new birth. 
Jesus said, you must be born again. Have you ever been born again? Have you ever asked Christ to be your Savior? I'm not saying that you've acknowledged that He is the Savior. He's the Savior of the whole world, the Bible says, especially of them that believe. Savior of the whole world. How many of you are glad He died for the whole world? But that doesn't mean everybody's saved. At some point, there's an exchange that has to happen that takes place in a moment in time. It's where you give Jesus your sin and he gives you his righteousness. It's not a process. It's not something you earn. It's not something you get through communion. It's not something that you get through baptism. It's not something that you get through anything you do. It's where you, by faith, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross to pay for your sin. He rose from the dead, proving that he was, is, and always will be God. If you believe that and you confess that there's no way that you can forgive yourself. There's no way you can save yourself. There's no way that you can go to heaven other than through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. If you'll acknowledge that, and if you just ask him to save you, he will. That's when that exchange takes place. That's when it takes place. That's when you are born again. Ladies, how many of you ladies have had a child? Would you raise your hand? You've had a child? How many of you are glad that did not take 18 years? Right? Did it take long enough? Lydia's labor was, I think, three weeks. The, 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 the labor, you want that as short as possible. Would you agree? Salvation, the new birth, is like that. Praise God. So, my life, it was given to me by God twice, my birth and then my new birth. But the other thing that I want you to see in verse 15, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto, you see that word unto, themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. My life is not my own. Uh, I can't, when I understand the love of Christ, that's verse 14, I can't, when I understand the love of Christ, live unto myself alone. I can't do that. I can no longer do that when I understand the love of Christ. My life must be lived unto him. Now, isn't that a strange wording, unto him? What does that mean, unto him? So I looked it up. It's a preposition, and it's an unusual preposition because we don't really use it that much anymore. And what it means is to or toward. I don't live my life toward myself. I don't live my life toward my family I live my life toward Jesus Christ. That is, I follow after. That's what discipleship is. A disciple is one who follows Christ. That's what the word means. And so when I live my life toward him, that means it's all for him. I'm heading toward him. What does the Bible say? Forgetting those things which are behind and looking toward those things which are ahead. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's the Christian life. I live it not toward the world, not toward anything other than Jesus Christ. Y'all follow me so far? That's what it means to live for Christ. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain, Paul said. For to me, to live as Christ and to die as gain. So my life must be lived unto him Now, again, look at verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So I'm living my life unto something very special. Dying is not really that great of an accomplishment. We're all going to die someday. How many of you have loved ones who have died? People are dying like this every day. They're dropping like flies. 
Why? For as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned except for one, the one that rose from the dead. You see, there's only one that did that. See that at the end of verse 15? But unto him which died for them and rose again. You say, well, wait a minute, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. The woman whose, whose son had died, Jesus raised him from the dead. Other people have risen from the dead, but they all died again. Jesus rose to never die again. He tasted death once for every man. Then he, then he rose, and now he's ascended. He sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and me. Jesus Christ is the only one who died and rose again. That's a very special person to live toward. Very special. And that's why we don't pray to any other dead people. Right? They can't help us. We pray to the Father through Jesus Christ. Why? Because what does the word one mean? One. Is one two? Does one equal two? Okay, now we have some public school teachers. Let me help. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the one to teach math, right? I do know this. One is not two. Two is made up of two ones. But they're different. One. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. You can't pray through me. You can't pray through my dad who's in heaven. My, my heavenly father, yes. My earthly father, no. You can't pray through him. You can't. He can't help you. He can't help you. Why? He needed a savior. A person who needs a savior can't be a savior. Jesus Christ is the savior. He's the one person that we can pray through. We go and serve unto him. See, here's what's happened. When we get right here, verse 15 again, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. We have just entered into the supernatural. I'm not supernatural. You're not supernatural. I don't have supernatural power. If you're sick, I'll pray for you, but it's up to God whether or not he heals you. I have no supernatural power. God is by nature supernatural. He is supernatural, and he's the only one that rose again never to die again. He's the only one that has the power to conquer the grave. My life, it was given to me by God twice through birth and new birth. My life, it's not my own, and I hope you have the new birth. It's not my own. I have to live unto Christ, and then my life, it's completely new according to verse 17. So my life. But then I want you to see my title, my title. Look with me at verse 20. My title. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. We all know what an ambassador is. It, it's an appoint, it, it's a title possessed by someone who represents his government. That's what an ambassador is. They represent their government. Primarily, it's someone who represents their king. It's a term of great dignity. An ambassador. I mean, that's a pretty high office. An ambassador. The Bible says you're an ambassador. I'm an ambassador. Well, if you're born again, you're an ambassador. An ambassador is a, is a special person. This is interesting. To scorn an ambassador or to mistreat an ambassador would be to scorn and mistreat the government he represented or the monarch he represented. If you mess with, a, with an ambassador of the United States, what are you doing? You're violating the United States. Is that right? If you harm the emissary of a king, you are harming the king. We are ambassadors for Christ. Do you remember what, what Jesus said to Saul of Tarsus? Saul, 
He became the Apostle Paul, but before he was saved, he was persecuting the church. He, he was killing them, killing people in the church. Even Stephen, when Stephen preached and he was stoned to death, Saul was there holding the coats of the people so that they could throw rocks harder at him and kill him. That's Saul. Saul's on his way to Damascus, and Jesus speaks to him from heaven. And he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou my church? My representatives, what did he say? Why persecutest thou me? Because when you harm an ambassador for Christ, you are doing it against Christ. You're an ambassador for Christ. That's what the Bible says. Anybody saved here? Are you saved? You are an ambassador. My title is an ambassador. To send the ambassador away is de facto to break the relationship with the government or the monarch he represents. If we're trying to have a political relationship with someone, our ambassador goes to see that nation. That nation rejects the ambassador. They're rejecting the, the United States. When a person rejects you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. An ambassador. What, is, what else does an ambassador do? An ambassador speaks for the king. He never utters his own thoughts. Well, let me tell you how I think you should go to heaven. You don't get to do that. What did Jesus say? What does the king say? What is the message from the king? He never utters his own thoughts. He never makes private, personal offers. I'll tell you, if, Evan, if you will give me enough money, I'll make sure you get into heaven. That's not what an ambassador does. How many of you think an ambassador would be fired for doing that? Yeah, yeah, that's not a trustworthy ambassador. Uh, he, he doesn't give personal promises. What would an ambassador say? Somebody asked the ambassador for something. Will you promise? Will you commit to do this? I've got to go ask the king. I can't make a promise. It's up to the king. He doesn't give personal promises. He doesn't make personal demands. Here, it's not about you. Will you get saved for me? It's not about you. It's about the king. Where this ministry is unto the king. We live unto the king, unto Christ. And then... He represents his sovereign. See, because, how many of you are glad to be an American? Would you be honest? And I'm glad to be an American. I don't bow to anybody except Jesus. The president walks in, I'll be very respectful to the president. Right? If he loosens his fists, I'll shake his hand. You might not know what I'm talking about. I would be respectful to him. Are you going to bow down before the president? Never. We, we have no king but Jesus. I don't care if it's Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Communist, it doesn't matter. We're not bowing before anybody but the Lord Jesus Christ. But that realization that we're not going to bow, sometimes that makes us be unwilling to bow to Jesus. We're too proud. I, I think we don't really understand what it means to have a sovereign. When you have a king, you don't own anything. He owns it all. When you're an ambassador for a king, you don't speak for yourself. You don't have your own opinions. You represent him. I'm an ambassador. As an ambassador, you go into a foreign environment. You, so if I were an ambassador to China, that would be an unusual environment for me. A different culture, different traditions, different food, different life, different way of living. Uh, we've had missionaries that are on the foreign field. 
And honestly, when you're raised in the United States of America, especially small-town America, um, and you go and live in some of these foreign cultures, man, it's an, it's an awful way to live because we're spoiled rotten. Right, And you get to where you don't like the culture that you're in. And it's very difficult to minister to people that you despise. And so an ambassador recognizes that he goes into a foreign culture. It is easy to become hostile toward the culture. This makes our mission field an enemy. How many of you think that's a bad idea? Right? You don't want to... The job of the ambassador is not to create enemies. We're to represent Christ. And then this one's really fun. It is not our own dignity that lends weight to our ambassadorship. It is not our own dignity that lends weight to our ambassadorship. Okay, so look at verse 15. That, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Here's the good news. You know, how many of you, there are some people that you would not want to represent the United States? Right? You, you, you don't want them to represent the United States. Here's the good news. Many of us think that way about ourselves. You know what? I know myself. I am not the person who ought to represent Jesus. Well, welcome to the club. It's a good thing that he made us new. Right? He is the one who equips us. He is the one who chooses his ambassadors. And if you are saved, you are an ambassador. And your ambassadorship is not based on your own dignity. It's based on the dignity of the king. So you're giving the gospel to somebody and they say, well, I know you. And all you can say is, you know, you're absolutely right. I'm so glad I'm the kind of person that Jesus would save and he'll save you too. Because your ambassadorship is not based on your own dignity. It's based on the dignity of of the king. We are ambassadors. Notice what it says in verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors. What does it say? For Christ. For Christ. Not for ourselves. We don't represent ourselves. So, my life, it's not my own. It's given to me by God. First at birth, second at the new birth. It doesn't belong to me. I need to live toward unto him. My title, I'm an ambassador. I don't speak for myself. I speak for the king. And then my task. What is my task? Let's look at verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. What is reconciliation? What does that mean? Webster's 1828 Dictionary says it's the act of reconciling parties at variance. Renewal of friendship after disagreement or enmity. So let's say Patrick and I were mad at each other. Um, we, we've said some some mean things to each other. We've had an argument, um, but we realize we're Christians and we need to reconcile. What do we have to do? We both have to die to self. We both have to die to self. I have to forgive him. He has to forgive me. We have to forget what's happened behind us. And then in order to move ahead, we may have to set some new parameters for the friendship. That's what reconciliation means. It's an important thing. In Scripture, it means, again, this is from Webster, in Scripture, the means by which sinners are reconciled, listen, and brought into a state of favor with God after natural estrangement or enmity. So here's the thing. This reconciliation, again, let's look at verse 18. All things are of God 
who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave it to us. He's given us something. He's given us this ministry of reconciliation. Am I reading it right? Yeah. He has given us this ministry of reconciliation. Now look at what it says in verse 19. To wit, that is, in other words, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you, beg you, plead with you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Christ's stead, what is that? That's an ambassador. Be ye reconciled to God. So my task, the ministry of reconciliation. My king has sent me with a message. My king has sent me with a message. When I was in high school, there was a guy named Joe. Joe wanted to break up with a girl. Joe asked me to break up with her for him. How many of you think that's a bad choice? Go tell her. I can't remember exactly what he said. Go tell her, you know, that, you know, it's just not working out. It's me, babe. It's not you. Whatever it was that he told me to tell her. And so what I did was I said, hey, Joe said take a hike. I promise. <laughs> Stacy's giving me the stink eye right now. I promise that's what happened. I, and he said, why did you say that? I said, I just shortened it. <laughs> what was I? I was a poor ambassador. Right? The king picked the wrong one. See, I have a message from the king, and I can't shorten the message. Just believe. Just believe. That's not the message. Everybody believes in something. Your, your, your belief has to have an object. That object has to be the, the crucified and risen God. That's the object. You see, I have a message from the king, and it's a message of reconciliation. The God of the universe, your creator, the one who died on the cross for you, he wants to be reconciled with you. That's my message. I have a message. And he has, notice what it says, he's committed it to me. Do you see that at the end of verse 19? And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. It's not an emotion. It's a word. It's a message. I come with a word from the king, and it's a word of reconciliation. So what is the message? You said, my life, it doesn't belong to me. God gave it to me twice. My, my title, I'm an ambassador. My, my mission, my task is this ministry of reconciliation. I'm supposed to tell other people about reconciliation. I am to try to reconcile them with their father. But what is my message? My message is reconciliation. And just a couple of things and I'm done. This reconciliation is the will of the king. God wants to be reconciled. It's an amazing thing that people would want to be reconciled with God. That's a good thing. Wouldn't you agree? It's more amazing that God wants to be reconciled with us. Notice what it says again in verse 18, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. It's all of God. It's God's will. God is the reconciler. But not only that, so reconciliation is the will of the king, but reconciliation must be on his terms. Reconciliation must be on God's terms. God, I'll come back to you, but you're going to have to 
It's not the way it works. See, if Patrick and I had had a problem and we're going to reconcile, it would be appropriate for both of us to settle on the terms of reconciliation because we've both been in the wrong. Do you follow what I'm saying? You all, and of course, he would be more wrong. But anyway, reconciliation must be on God's terms. Normally, both sides agree to the terms of reconciliation when both sides are at fault. Here, God is the innocent, perfect, sinless, offended party. God would be just never to reconcile with us. It would Listen, it would be right for him to do that. He sets the terms of reconciliation. So what are God's terms of reconciliation? What are the terms? Well, God does it all. Here are the terms. He says, let's be reconciled. What do I have to do? Nothing. I'll do it all. I'm the offended party, but I will do everything necessary for reconciliation. That's mercy. That's grace. That's the message we preach. He does it all. God, and here's how he does it. In order for us to be reconciled with God, he has to say our sin is not an issue. That's what God has to say. All of that sin that you've committed against me, God says, I have to take that out of the way. And the Bible says what it was. It was handwriting that was written against us. And how did he take it out of the way? He nailed it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. But the handwriting wasn't the only thing nailed to the cross. What else was nailed to the cross? Himself. Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing. He does it all. What had to happen for God to be able to stop making sin an issue? Well, look at verse 21. Here's what had to happen. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Look. Jesus did not only bear our sin. The Bible says he was made to be sin. Do you understand what what an indictment that was? And sometimes we wonder, well, if Jesus Christ is paying for sin and he bore the righteous judgment of the Father to pay for our sin, if I die outside of Christ, I'm punished forever, for eternity How could it be for a limited period of time that Jesus endured that punishment? Isn't that a good question? How could it be? Because he's infinite. And he was able to bear in his body the infinite, eternal punishment of every person that would ever live. That's what Jesus Christ bore in his body. That's what it means when it says he was made sin for us. And how much suffering was it? Well, how much suffering do you think there is for an individual in eternity? Is that a lot of suffering? Is, is that a lot of suffering? Now imagine that much suffering, eternal suffering, for every individual that has ever lived. That's what Jesus bore in his body. That's how bad it was. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what it took to remove that sin and get it out of the way so that he can reconcile us to himself. This ministry of reconciliation is you going and telling people, Jesus did it all. You don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all. Who wouldn't take that deal? 
How many of you think that you ought to take that deal? Seriously. Who wouldn't take it? Most people. Why? Because they don't want their sin taken out of the way. They love it. They, here's why people reject Jesus. They want their sin more than they want Jesus Christ. The crazy thing is they want their sin more than they want eternal life. It's like I, I had someone say to me, if I die and there is a Christ, there is a God, I'll spit in his face. I said, no, you won't. <laughs> I guarantee you won't. Amen? So what do we do? What do we do? Well, look at what the Bible says. This is why. Verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled unto us by himself, or to himself, by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God, so here's what that ministry is. That God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. That's moving the sin out of the way. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So, so how do we communicate it? Now then. We are ambassadors for Christ. We don't represent ourselves. We don't say what we want. We don't give the message the way we want to. We have a message from the king. As though God did, look at this, beseech you by us. We pray you in God's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. So here's the ministry of reconciliation. Hey, God loves you. Please be reconciled to him. Please trust him as your savior. He doesn't want you to go to hell. It's not God's will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Because I don't want to. I like my sin. Please, come on. You've got to understand that this is pleasure for a little while, but it's going to lead to death. It's going to... Sin leads to death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And that gift, what do you have to do to make the gift yours? You just take it. But you've got to wash my car every week for the next five years. Why'd you give it back? He doesn't want to wash my car every week for the next five years. Why? Because it's not a gift if you're doing that. You're working for it. There are a lot of people that say, yeah, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus, but do this work, do this work, do this work. You can keep the salvation because salvation is by belief. You can keep that, but you have to do this and do this and do this forever. If you don't do this, you lose it. If you don't do this, you lose it. That's not a gift. Be reconciled to God. We plead with them. We plead with them. We beg them. This is why evangelism is hard. It's the greatest story in the world. God is reconciling the world to himself. He paid it all. He did it all. He's not going to judge you. He's not going to punish you. He's not going to be angry with you. He's going to love you. He's going to give you eternal life and joy and peace right now. Blessing and honor right now. He's not only going to save you, he's going to adopt you. He's going to call you his son. And all you have to do is say yes. But people want to follow their religion. They want to follow their works. Or they just want to stay in their sin. Folks, our job, all of us, is the ministry of reconciliation. All of us, every one of us, need to be involved in this ministry of reconciliation. How many of you are saved? You're saved? This is your job. This is your job. It's not your mission should you choose to accept it. It is your mission. Amen? Nothing's going to self-destruct in here. It's vital. It's vital that we understand this ministry of reconciliation. So what we're going to do right now. Now, this is not the end of the service. We're going to take just about five minutes. 
Then we'll gather back here. And But we have, let's all stand together. Guys, get to your tables. We have the man camp team. We need you to sign up for the man camp team. And we probably need, we didn't prepare it. Maybe we can have a sheet next week. We probably need, um, for the future, uh, a trunk or treat team. And that would help Wade and Stacy a lot. But get to your, you've got guys back there for the evangelism team. We have the, uh, what's this one over here? Man camp team. And now, if you want to be a part of our evangelism ministry, that is, you want to be trained. You want to, if you are trained, you just want to go and help arrange the strategy. You want to help with man camp. All right, ready, break, go sign up. Got evangelism over here, man camp over here. Let's do it. Oh, and your discipleship cards. If you want to sign up for discipleship, it's in the seat in front of you. Take that card and fill it out. We would love to disciple you. I know Eric's already scared some of you away from the class. Go ahead and give it a try. All right, let's get our seats. If you didn't get to sign up yet, the tables will be back there right after the service. You can head back there. All right. Ministry of Reconciliation. How many of you will make it a point to try and talk to somebody about Jesus this week? You're going to make it a point. You're going to do it on purpose. That's the ministry that we've been given. We've got to walk toward the believer. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, the Bible says. We have to move toward them. You can't wait for them to come. We're waiting for them to fall at our feet and say, what must I do to be saved? They're not going to do that. We've got to go to them. Amen? Let's be sure and do it. And you, if you're here and you've never asked Christ to save you, doesn't matter whether you've been religious or not. If you've never made that exchange, let today be that day. Just ask him to save you and he will. Amen?